Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, this is Pablo Sabaleta. This is Troy Dene. This is Kevin Phillips. This is Jürgen Klopp and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. Look, I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona and our socios keep us on the road. This independent podcast simply wouldn't happen without them. Please head to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now. Join us, become a socio, a member, and you'll get extra big interview content every month, plus lots of bonuses. We need you. We can't do this without you. Well, we have to stop meeting like this. I'll let you into a little secret. Um, The day before the game in Kazan, bumping into Fernando Hierro and saying, Hola, mister, get out. Hi, boss, how's it going? He went, oh, your voice is worse than mine. Croakier than mine. Now, he doesn't know my karaoke secret yet, but neither does he know that this uh, four o'clock or even now, just let me check what time it is here in... Krasnodar, now that we're back, it's five past five this time. Little does Fernando Hierro know that this uh, late night podcasting after a long flight home from a match has definitely got to cost a man a little bit of vocal clarity. What a game. I say that not in the same way as I did say about Portugal 3, Spain 3, because the experiences this time were dramatically different. Let me tell you a little bit about um, the place where the game was played. First of all, the city, very European, extremely attractive, vast ranges of different kind of architecture, really thoroughly interesting, nice, noisy people. And the city, from minute one when we arrived, packed full of Iranians, absolutely decked out in national colours, national dress, flags, scarves, And unfortunately, as we discover later, carrying the V word, Vuvuzelas. But the blend of a couple of thousand Spaniards, um, some friendly Russians, the Russia game being played when work was finished on the night before the Spain game, and therefore the absolute riot that happened all through the centre of the city when Russia made sure that they were one way or another, going to qualify as as first or as second, um, made this a, a really interesting build-up experience. What wasn't clear, except to the two main national football papers, was that the 
the preparation work and training at the Kazan Stadium, Kazan Arena, showed that Lucas Vasquez was going to play wide right up front. I, I think that there's obviously a leak in team or somebody was able to get into the stadium because both Ass and Marka were pretty clear that Lucas would start. I thought Carvajal would come back and replace Nacho because Carvajal's the number one. But Lucas was a slightly strange choice. First of all, because Aspas has been scoring so many goals. Asensio is, in theory, the golden boy. And Lucas Vasquez is somebody you'd always want in your squad, somebody you'd often start with. I've got the most uh, firm admiration for his athleticism, his goal-making. His attitude is absolutely wonderful. And starting, generally, for Spain, no problem. But the words in the team hotel or in the build-up here in Krasnodar, once we got to Kazan on the flight, was from all the staff, those who've been video preparing, the coaches, um, the players in public, was this is a difficult, difficult game. Don't think that um, Iran are soft touches because they're rarely at this stage. These are the messages we were being given. Don't think that they're just sort of 10 men across the back. Fernando Hierro clearly had a lot of liking and admiration for Carlos Queiroz. It would have been simple to think otherwise because, of course, it was Carlos Queiroz coming in that Florentino Perez had up his sleeve when he unceremoniously dumped Vicente Del Bosque at the end of the title-winning season and then dumped Fernando Hierro, his captain, and the next man in was Queiroz. But right from the start, Hierro was saying, I get on with the guy, I love talking football with him. He's done seven years of great work. And look out, over the last umpteen months, it isn't just that they defend well, they've scored lots of goals. This can be mouth music. This can occasionally be something you have to pick your way through and think, well, is that something a team genuinely feels or is this a way of paying respect to the opponent when really they know they're going to go out and smash them? Well, one, um, the genuine words were made true when I saw Carlos Queiroz and Yero spotting each other for the first time inside the stadium on the match night and giving each other a big bear hug and a big long embrace and chat about you know good to see you best of luck all that kind of stuff but there was genuine affection involved in it and the other part that proved to be genuine was that as much as this was a defensive display from Iran right across the pitch and often there were stages when they had 10 red shirts in their own penalty area and Danny Carvajal said, you know, this is a betrayal of football. It's no way to play. Okay, everybody's entitled to their opinion. And it's always nice to hear a firm, pungent one. But I think when your resources are as different as these two sides, Iran stayed within what was legitimate. I didn't enjoy it. I could respect it. Uh, some of the play acting was a bit pathetic. But um, we've seen that from every single side in the world at one stage or another. So I don't have a word of criticism for Iran and I do have a lot of admiration not only for their athleticism and their commitment to the cause but two things stood out once the game began to be played. Maybe three. Firstly, the flipping noise. It's a long time, and I don't mean the Vuvuzelas, it's a long time since I've been at a game where a support has made as much noise as the Iranians did. They were... Colourful, they were committed, they kept singing the whole time, they would egg each other on. Once the roars really hit, you know, top decibel level, it was 
you know, it, it rattled the stadium. It's a stadium which is really well designed, keeps a lot of the noise in, and it was just a fabulous. I, it, I've spoken after the match to um, Isco, and then off the record to a couple of the um, staff, and um, I didn't get a chance to say to them, is it difficult to think in an atmosphere like that? Sure, it's difficult to communicate properly, but does it distract you a little bit when it's not just about the hostility at all? It's about the volume level. At any rate, that's something that will come up over the next couple of days because I'll find time to ask people that. It's just to fill my own curiosity. So that stood out. Secondly, what stood out is it's as if there was some sort of video chip implanted in the Iranian players' minds. Because whatever tapes they've been watching of Spain for the last few months since this grouping was known, December, I guess, it's as if Iran and their players knew every single move that Spain would make in terms of, well, if they do this, then it'll automatically be the cutback. If they do this, it'll be the chip over the top and the overlapping run. And the, Iran seemed to be playing almost by, by computer, by sort of internal hard drive. And kudos to... Not only that kind of detailed preparation, but getting your players to understand and follow it. I like that. The other thing that stood out is that when they decided to attack, when they were 1-0 down to Diego Costa's goal, there was an edge to this team. They have a li- they certainly have pace galore. They're physical. Um, one or two of them can play. I-, I didn't think that they were a particularly satisfactory team technically. Often when pressed, the ball would be lost. Their long passing isn't the greatest, but their link-up play is quite good. And two or three of them you know, clearly have talent. And when the ruled-out goal for Iran was given as both a handball and offside, I thought the decision was absolutely right. However, when the big-headed chance comes in, the way in which it's made um, by Amiri was daring and clever, and, and I enjoyed watching a lot of him. Um, then Spain. This is a this is a troubling display. There's absolutely no question um, in my mind that what we saw was not simply a case of Iran hassling and pressing and and making sure that Spain were jittery. There were a series of mistakes from key players where when the goal goes in. It had, for example, it's it comes as a result of David Silva having easy possession and leaving a pass to Iniesta short. And Iniesta has to make absolutely sure that Ezatolahi um, is beaten to the ball. But Iniesta has to dig to make sure he gets there when Silva had time to give him the, the pass on a plate. And in and around um, that goal, in about, I think, what was it, 52, 53 minutes, over that spell, from about 49.50 on to about 56, Spain would regularly leave passes short, miss passes, would um, try to win possession back, be in a position to, to rob the ball. Oh, forgive me, it's 5.20 in the morning. Um, and then instantly find a way to give it back. Controls bounced off people's feet. Passes were put behind colleagues. These were, the ones I'm listing are mistakes that the 2010 champions made on their own. And I think that's worrying. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. But back to Lucas Vasquez. When we look at Spain's performance, as far as I'm concerned, they knew exactly how Iran were going to play when it was nil-nil. Until the point when Spain went 1-0 up, there was a plan and it had been made clear by the video people, by the scouts, and then by Fernando Hierro himself that they, they understood Iran and they kept telling us how difficult it was going to be. But if they understood them so well, I failed to understand why Spain weren't planning one of these guys who in one-on-ones can open games up, can open space up, can leave a a defender either lunging and missing or lunging and committing a foul or even a penalty. Lucas Vasquez is a fabulous player, a multiple European champion, Spanish um, champion. And what he likes best is, is the type of game that Zidane promoted as Real Madrid coach, where it's ebb and flow, Playground football, end-to-end, because he's got both a tremendous engine, a really good tackle, but also very good distribution. He's got a goal in him, but his use to the ball once he's up high is very shrewd. But if it's a game where there's no ebb and flow, if it's a game where the actual runs you're going to make are not the sort of three-quarter length of the pitch, but they're consistently over two, three, four, five metres, then this was an Asensio moment. This was a Iago Aspas moment. So looking at the, that decision, I, I can't deny that I was a little bit surprised and it became clear very early on that as hard as Lucas would work, the idea was that Spain needed somebody with a dribble, with a moment of fantasy, an Aspas moment, an Asensio moment. At any rate, as the, as the game goes on, there's some comedy on the pitch as... Um, Beran Vant, the goalkeeper, um, with the Pinocchio-sized um, nose and the Pinocchio attitude to telling the truth about when he was or wasn't hurt. As he um, produced his hijinks, all around me, the thing that I noticed was that as I was texting my Iranian friend back home in Scotland... Um, and showing her and her kids and her husband what a fantastic show their country was putting on, both on the pitch and in the stands. Around me, amongst the Iranian men, and these were dressed in football strips and painted faces and whatever, were Iranian women. And at a time when I think it's infamous that Iranian women are not allowed to go and watch football in their stadiums at home, to see the stands jam-packed with men and women and, and even young girls supporting the Iranian national team was enjoyable. It was thoroughly uplifting and 
sometimes in the game that needed to be the entertainment because Spain have played a lot better than this. I'd go to so far as to say that I began to worry about their opportunities to, to do anything special here after this game because there's been nothing wrong in training. Training has been crisp. It's been fun to watch. It's clear if you look at the short corner down the line that was taken that very nearly resulted in a goal for either Sergio Ramos from his shot from the end of the edge of the box or, or Piquet in the follow-up. And if you think about the strategy goal that was produced with the silver chip to Busquets' back post and Costa scoring against Portugal, there's been some good strategic work done and kudos to that. But what we've seen in the mini-games and the um, rondos and the passing and shooting exercises is a Spain team that on the training pitch is looking fine. Now, I got the chance to interview Iniesta on the pre-match night and I asked him about what I'd seen about the spark and about the buzz in training. He said, yeah, fine, but we have to do it on the pitch. If we can't bring that into the pitch, there's a problem. Now, I don't know if he had a premonition of it all, um, but it wasn't... There was no transfer of what you can see in the training pitch into into this game. They won. 1-0, as we know, is a score which will serve very well uh, to win the European Championship in 2008. It'll do well enough to make sure that Spain topped the group in 2012 by the 1-0 victory over Croatia, which was also extremely hard-worked. It was the trademark score of the 2010 World Cup. 1-0 against Portugal, 1-0 against Paraguay, 1-0 against Germany, 1-0 against Holland. That one in the tournament. So, no disrespect to a narrow scoreline, no disrespect to keeping a clean sheet, and no David de Gea errors after the three goals conceded against Portugal. But there was a lack of energy and creativity, and dare I say it, there needs to be somebody, preferably in the middle of the park, who's bossing things, bossing the tempo, urging people on, raising hackles, maybe giving fellow players a bollocking or um, taking the taking the tempo of the whole affair into hand because it's no longer the case that that drumbeat of bang, 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 pass, pass, pass is going to do it for them because it's a different Iniesta, it's a different Busquets. There's no Xavi, there's no Xavi Alonso, there's no Sesc. Things have changed. On which basis, it's worth saying that of Diego Costa's three goals, each of them has been created by a Barca player. Now, it's a fact that Diego Costa was very close to joining Barca B when uh, Wanda Ramos was the Barca B coach. Um, it didn't come to fruition, but boy, wouldn't that have been a strange thing at the time of the arrival of the Cruyff ideal and, and Guardiola about to come in and Costa had been the, the up-and-coming centre-forward at Barca B. And I mention all this because there was a time, particularly four years ago in the World Cup when he debuted, when he looked unfit because of his hamstring injuries that he'd had repeatedly for Atleti. He looked completely bewildered by the Xavi and Iesta Silva passing movements in training, when to move, when to um, ask for the ball, when to hold, when to give it back immediately. These things take time to learn, I guess. It's almost like a new footballing language. Now, in the interim, Xavi's retired, Xavi Alonso's retired. Again, um, players like Iniesta and Busquets have changed a little bit at club level. They've played with strikers who, who like the ball quite quickly and, and, and even quite vertically. And therefore, Diego Costa, although he's changed, matured, more intelligent as a footballer, Premier League winner, Europa League winner, 
there was a time when his runs were not what Busquets and Iniesta would have fed. Instead, it was Busquets' long ball. Let me say that again in big red capitals. Sergio Busquets' long ball, we mentioned this in the last podcast, I think, that set up um, Costa's first goal against Portugal. Busquets' back post header that set up his second. And Iniesta's little run and, and shunt pass that brought the ricochet goal where undoubtedly it's Diego Costa's. But there's a firm assist goes to the Iranian defender, the 23 by memory, bit of a thug he was too. And therefore, I look at it and, and think, is this emblematic of the change that's happening? The, this Catalan-bred, La Masia-born footballers feeding the Brazilian with a Spanish passport who likes the ball direct and early and likes to... Well, what Henrik Larsson called him in the Spanish press the other day, he's a menace. That's a fair comment. So... Overall, unsatisfactory overall, worrying for Spain's further participation in the World Cup, or at least at a serious stage. The victory, I think, um, is probably good enough to qualify them. There are scenarios where Spain can still go out, but it feels a little bit unlikely. It feels that Morocco is a more open side than Iran, and therefore, while a shock is not completely off the cards, particularly if Spain were to play like this again, it feels to me as if Spain can now get themselves through and maybe even, or let's say, probably even as group winners. But at that stage, well, this level of performance won't do. The travel home was uh, long. <laughs> it was um, punctuated by several players um, playing cards, chatting the whole time through. Um, it was a relatively happy but not very noisy flight. And once home in Krasnodar... Uh, the news is that training is on at midday. That's 10 a.m. Uh, UK time, 11 a.m. Central European time. And therefore, it's go, go, go. And um, I've got very little shot eye uh, left this night. We flew out of um, Kazan, a place that I very much liked, about two-ish, something like that. And it was bright daylight. Um, this land of the midnight sun, Hmm. I'm not certain that I'm a 100% fan. Nor was I a 100% fan of the Spain performance, but the result was a big relief. Decent city, lovely stadium, fantastic Iranian support, and three points for Spain. I suppose it's time to stop mourning and time to get some sleep. Enjoy your day. I really hope you're enjoying these World Cup shows. We've got huge plans for next season, but we do need your help to make them happen. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, a member, to join us, to support us. You'll get an extra big interview every month, plus lots of other bonus content. Last season, our members got nine exclusive big interviews, including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Dini, and Roberto Di Matteo. So... Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Do it now, please. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.